Hello and welcome to the GLT podcast series with the Greenshaw Learning Trust and Friends Book Club, where we talk all things teaching and learning with leading educationalists across the world. My name is Rhiannon Rainbow. And my name is Dave Tushingham. This is a place to enjoy listening to organic conversations between teachers and authors, a journey in bringing the latest evidence-based literature into the classroom. My colleague um, from Blazer, who has um, worked um, on this book with you, um, Judith, um, is um, unfortunately not able to be here this evening, but um, has uh, been talking to me all day and all week about um, about this um, this book and what she's written, and uh, it's really exciting to be able to, to talk about her work. So, so excited to, to be able to share um, her particular piece in this book. But, um, but I just want to say a massive thank you because there is um, absolutely sort of no um, expectation or reason why, why you, you need to come and or want to come and join us for a session um, for an hour just to talk about um, the, the book and, and how it can help us in the classroom. But, uh, but you're here giving us your time and, and each week we're just um, really humbled and, and just the, the generosity of the, the people we talk to. And, and Jane, thank you so much for, for spending this hour because, because we always learn so much in these conversations and I'm reading the book. Um, this is, this is going to be no different. Um, for, for me, just reading the book, it's, um, it, it made me think a lot about the science of learning and a lot of the research that's happened recently about the science of learning, but, um, but we don't know, um, sort of lots about, um, the, the emotional barriers and impacts that, that some students might have and, and creating that, um, welcoming environment and, and what we can do individually for these students to really help them feel safe, to, to knock down those barriers, to, to really celebrate their, their sort of bilingual or multilingual, um, assets um to, to really sort of um get to know those students better to to really make them um feel at home within our classrooms no matter um what their background uh, what their ethnicity what um what their um maybe additional need or or whatever it is that may be and it, it made me really sort of feel and think about um previous sessions that we had Anne watson who talks a lot about care um in in her book um that we we talk together and, and how what it means to 100% care and actively listen to, to our students and understand them well so that we can um, support them in their, their learning journey and, and, and help them to feel really sort of safe in that environment to learn. And, and it also um, made me think about the session um, recently with Karen about um, the SEN um, Research Ed um, book and, and, um, and just what we can do to support um, our, our students on, on that day to day um in the classroom practice um that, that we um engage with so really really looking forward to learning more um i'm so excited i read the book there's so many questions that i have that i want to ask and, and and sort of talk to you about but i think it's going to be a lot today for me um where i feel a real novice um and i, I think it will be me just asking and asking and asking today um and so so just thank you in advance for, for humoring me when i have but I have my questions where, where maybe I don't get it or maybe I need a little bit more support to, to make those connections because um, I read it, got excited and thought, I really want to talk to Jane to find out more. So, so thank you so much for giving the time. Um, and uh, I think Marion's going to come and join us a little bit later as well. So really looking forward to talking to Marion too. Um, and, and just to hand over to you to, to share a little bit of background around the book. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Dave. And thank you, Rhiannon. And hello, everybody. So um, what I wanted to do just um, before we get into conversation together was just to give a little bit of background, if that's OK with you all, just to sort of um, share some beginnings, really, about why we tried to work with putting together creative arts and EAL learning and teaching. So I hope this will give a little bit of um, context. So there's some 
uh, little points I'd like to go through. And um, so basically, we were lucky enough to be funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council in the UK. And um, I think that was like a big benefit for us because we were able on a very practical level to pay for uh, creative artists to work with us in workshops. And also we were able to pay for supply teachers um, to cover the EAL teachers coming out of school. So I just wanted to put that out there because we're not magicians, we're busy educators and these um, unusual projects don't just come out of the blue. So the funding is really, really important and we were lucky enough to have that for a year. So the way we worked was we invited um, people as volunteers and Judith was one of our volunteers, um, agreed to um, sign up for a workshop, a one day workshop. So we had four one day workshops in our university space at UWE, where our teachers and Mariam and I as researchers worked together with creative artists with different areas of specialism. And we had a first hand experience of those arts practices, things like poetry, music, printing, uh, filmmaking, um, collage, all sorts of things as you've seen in the book. And we can talk about those in a bit more detail later. So as part of those one day workshops, an important part of the day was for teachers to have time to think, OK, I've had a first hand experience, a tangible experience of working with say music or collage and then the important part was to think how could I transform that adapt it for my own teaching my own learners and my own context so these weren't ready-made activities that we were just sort of sending out training people and sending them out there needed to be the adaptation and the adoption if you like by the teachers so the teachers um, we were asking them to have ownership and they were really fantastic in taking ownership and going places with these um, techniques, if you like, that we didn't even know where they were going to go. So um, the teachers went back to their settings and we supported where we could, um, what they were doing in their schools. And at the end of the year, we said, um, come back and share with us what you've done and so we had an end of year conference which was just fantastic because we saw all the amazing work that the different teachers had done and what we found um because this was a very exploratory work so we as i said we didn't know how it was going to work but what we what seemed to happen was that the activities that the teachers wanted to develop seemed to cluster into three levels if you like some of them were whole school level some of them were class level and some were individual learner level. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And I'm going to sort of share some ways in which that happened in a moment. But what was interesting about that was I was I thought, gosh, that just explains the reach and the importance of the EL specialist, because I think that's exactly what they're doing. They're working at whole school level sometimes, class level sometimes and at the individual learner level at other times. So, um, you know, it was kind of no surprise, but also very impressive about the need and the reach of that work supporting our EAL learners. So just to go back a bit further into history, why did we want to link uh, creative arts and languages? 
Well, we were quite taken with the work of Alison Phipps, and I've just put a, um, an image of one of her books there on the slide, and she's called that Decolonising Multilingualism, Struggles to Decreate. And basically, a lot of Alison's work is all about interrogating languages and multilingualism and questioning how, how come we seem um, in the UK to have sometimes a hierarchy of languages almost, where some languages seem to, seem to have more status and respect than others. And Alison takes it back to colonialism and migration and is, is a really interesting philosophical discussion in her book. But one of the key things for us in our work was that she says in, in order to decolonize multilingualism, we need to work with artists and the creative arts and understand the creativity that language has, as well as the functionality of it. So Alison's work is very much about creative arts, and that's where we took our sort of starting point, if you like. So um, if we think about EAL and the curriculum, I don't need to preach to anybody here. You could tell me much better than this. But what I would say is that EAL is quite underspecified within the national curriculum. It's mentioned, but not in a huge amount of detail. So we've got things like this, acknowledging that learners will come with different needs at different ages, different prior experiences, different levels of English. So I'm nothing to disagree with there, but it's not giving us much to go on kind of thing, is it? It's also reminding us um, learners arrive with additional needs. Um, maybe they've experienced forced migration. They might be having trauma. So the final bullet point on that slide there is just saying, well, maybe um, the arts as a language, as Alison Phipps says, has the potential to kind of knit these areas together. So um, there's nothing stopping us in the national curriculum for connecting creative arts with EAL. We're acknowledging that it's complex, that there's no two EAL learners with the same levels of English, the same needs. And um, how do we deal with this experience of trauma that some of our learners will have? And so we were thinking, well, the arts um, have potential for inclusivity, drawing in different modalities, and embracing that cultural diversity and making it a really positive thing. So I wanted now just to briefly go through these levels I mentioned, so the whole school level. Um, so in our project in the book, um, we um, had teachers and um, one of them was which was also um, generated by Judith, our colleague. Um, Judith used to work in a different school, and in that school they had um, they didn't have bells between lessons, but they had um, announcements and a tannoy system. And um, basically, Judith's initiative was um, she said, you know, those announcements are always in English, but we have a multilingual student population. Let's have a project where we get recordings of our students and their voices on these announcements. And so, and that's what she did. And it was amazingly positively received. Um, Judith said that they had two weeks worth of bilingual announcements. So instead of um, the announcement just saying it's now lunchtime, it said it's now lunchtime in English, and then it said it in Somali as well. And it was not only that, but it was one of the pupils in the school making that announcement. 
So all those skills and um, the recognition of the languages, the diverse languages, and the recognition of the individuals, there was a huge amount of positive feedback about that. And uh, what's really lovely for me is at the time of that project, um, my son was a pupil in that school, actually. And I saw in the school newsletter that came home to me as a parent, the head teacher really taking really positive ownership of that initiative and saying, we're delighted that we've had, we've celebrated our languages this week with the bilingual announcements. And so it was just a really, um, you know, I had a lot of positive um, feel for it, that initiative. And I remember telling Alison Phipps about that initiative and she said, oh, that's amazing because often we celebrate multilingualism, but not in terms of the sound. It's often on a page or a poster or something like that. And she said, oh, how amazing to have, you know, our local children's voices celebrated in those school announcements. So that was a whole school level initiative. Um, the next bullet point down there was um, one of our Bristol primary schools said um, they wanted to make a film, a very simple film, but it was the title of the film was Our Languages. And basically, um, it was a child led initiative. So year six pupils uh, designed some interview questions, questions they were interested in asking each other about what it's like being a speaker of your language. And um, other pupils in the school opted in to be part of the filmmaking. Nobody was forced to, but there was lots of interest. And um, the participants were interviewed by their peers and it was captured on a very simple static film. And um, the conversations were in English, but about the additional languages that the children had. And um, the questions were quite fun. That's what I always like about child-led initiatives, because children always ask each other questions that perhaps we as adults wouldn't think of. But there were questions about how, you know, what's your favourite word? What's a funny sounding word in your language? And all sorts of child curiosity coming to the fore there. And what I really liked about that project was that it almost led a chain reaction. So um, the, the film was shown in school, it was shown in an assembly, parents were invited in, and, um, and there were lots of nice side effects from that. One, one of which was um, the teacher said to me, oh, the children in the film have become almost school celebrities and other children are coming up to them saying things like, oh, I didn't know you spoke Hungarian, um, how do you say hello in Hungarian? And so there was lots of consultation and sharing of bits of um, people's languages together. Um, there, were also, there was also an interesting side effect from that film, which was the school um, thought it knew the backgrounds and the languages of all its pupils, but there were some hidden skills. Um, so for instance, um, some parents who were um, hearing impaired themselves and used British Sign Language with their daughter. The daughter wasn't hearing impaired, but her sign, British Sign Language skills were not known by the school because she didn't use them in the school. But from this project, the parents said, oh, you know, we were a bit disappointed you don't have British Sign Language in your film. And so the school then responded and said, oh, well, actually, um, would like to do an update next year. Would you like, you know, we would like to include your daughter in that. So it kind of brought out of um, what was in the background, um, all of the richnesses of the skills and knowledge of children and families. Um, 
And then the last one was um, not a children's project, but this was about parents in um, a children's centre in Bristol. So um, one of our uh, creative artists also works in a children's centre and she had a weekly parents group where parents would get together and share coffee and just talk about their issues and their children. And um, as part of the group, each new member was invited to do a piece of embroidery, which was added on to this welcome banner, if you like. And um, you probably can't see it here, but the banner is really beautiful because each each square on shape is different. Um, some of them have words and welcoming messages in different languages and different scripts. And some of them don't have any text, but they, you know, there's a very beautiful coffee pot on there, a lovely Turkish shaped coffee pot. So things that were meaningful and important and available for sharing were shared on that kind of co-created welcome banner, if you like. So those are just some of the ideas of what worked at a whole school level. Then um, we had uh, the more classroom level, and this fits with Judith's chapter, which I think is what we're focusing on today, isn't it? Well, with the use of collage. So it was interesting because this was one of the activities um, that went down um, fantastically well, almost with all of our workshop participants. And there's something special about collage, I think, isn't there? Because we, we can all do it. You don't need to sort of feel, if everyone was handed a paintbrush, that goes down differently with different people, but we can all cut and stick and choose things that are special and meaningful to us. And so um, we were inspired by Lynn Marr, who's actually a further education practitioner in Glasgow, but she'd done a lot on what she called identity boxes and what Judith developed in her chapter also focused on identity. And um, then Judith used it for the richness of the dialogue surrounding the creative process and what the children had created, then Judith used it to scaffold for her um, language assessment. So here's an example of an identity box that um, one of the Glasgow um, further education students made. And you can really kind of see, I think what's beautiful about this activity is it's people sharing something about themselves, but they're in control. So it's what's special to them. Um, there's no uh, demand to share something you feel uncomfortable with, um, but nevertheless, it was it was about um, doing something with your hands, creating, and then having something available that you can share with others. You're telling others about yourself. You've made something, but also obviously it's rich with language, using listening and speaking opportunities within it. So um, some. This is a bit similar again with collage, but some of our um, teachers also were doing work. Um, so one of our local teachers was working one to one um, with students in a special school. And the way this teacher worked with collage was that she, instead of having a, ta a collage table full of materials everybody could use, she almost did a tailor made um, set of resources for each pupil and she knew what um, would work well for each pupil. So um, she had an example of a learner with autism who would um, really enjoy working with very tactile materials. So rather than just cutting out paper, they had more um, tactile materials in their resource 
for using on their collage, but the same principle, if you like. Um, so people create, curate their own um, collage and then share and talk about what they've created. Okay, so I think this is my, um, oh, right, that's just a thank you for listening. Here's the final slide then, because I don't want to use up all the time with me just talking, but in my opinion, um, but I'd be really interested to hear what you all think. I think there's lots of benefits of bringing together creative arts and EAL. But there seems to be something special about creating artifacts. So they seem to draw us in, whoever we are, learners, parents, carers and wider communities. Um, and there's something tangible that can be displayed or shown or used in assemblies. There's a nice legacy. So you have a good moment in the creative moment but there's a legacy to that artifact as well. It can be very inclusive. And I put here that it's there's something about the local in this creative process, isn't there? So in one of our workshops, one of our teachers said, I think we started by saying, how do you represent multilingualism in your school? And one of our teachers said, oh, it's just occurred to me, we have a lovely poster which in our entrance, which has hello in different languages, but in fact, those aren't the languages of our children and our communities. So there's nothing wrong with that poster, but it wasn't incorporating and representing and celebrating the real languages used by the real people in the school. So that something homemade and local can reach the parts that maybe a more glossy and commercially produced product can't. So there's something there about the, crea the creative process. On the um, EAL level, um, there's something very motivating about speaking and writing about something you've created, something you've invested in, um, rather than just uh, describing um, a random picture that you've been handed. If you make something and then talk about what you've made, it may generate more speaking, listening, reading, writing opportunities. We found that there was a lot of social inclusion in these activities. Um, so learners get very interested in what each other is doing, not just what they're doing. So um, if going back to the collage, I know Lynn, our workshop leader there, said it soon became clear in her class who was very good at making models. And all the other learners would go to this person and say, oh, look, I'm trying to make this uh, tiny little thing. Can you help me? So there was something about finding out and collaborating, co cooperating together with each other. And lastly, it was just um, about celebrating multilingualism, making it more visible, audible and present in the shared space and understanding the school community's linguistic resources. And as I've said, including British Sign Language, all the resources that may not necessarily be captured by conventional, um, you know, expected um, recording material that we have to in for people census stuff. Sometimes there's more going on, isn't there, in our students' lives in communities than is just captured by the um, the necessary forms, if you like. So I think that was all I wanted to give as a background. So I'd like to really give the floor to you all now, so that you're not just um, sitting quietly in the audience. So let's let's hear what people's thoughts are. 
Oh, thank you so much for that, um, Jane. This um, it was so so interesting to to listen to, and um, and yeah, I've been writing down some of the things there. I know uh, Marion. I think it's just arrived. I think we might be um, trying to, to help Marion into the the room now. But um, so so while Reese doing that, I'll, um, some of the things that, that came out for me um, before seeing that last slide was the inclusivity, um, the idea of building a sense of belonging, um, and these are all things that that came out through through what you were saying that. The idea of celebration um, as well, and 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 these all all feel like um, sort of words that that help to to break down those barriers when when you do move to a situation that is really unfamiliar, and um, and you do have um, maybe your primitive part of your brain, your trauma that's, that's stopping you, blocking that that learning that you want to engage in. Having a safe environment like that to be able to to feel like you're in a community, to 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 be able to safely be curious, I think is. Um, is such a, such an important thing to um, to do, and it's um, it's just done with that warmth and that care. And, and the the example that I pulled out of that, which just um, highlighted that to me, was when you said about the um, the poster and the attention to detail. So if you've got your sign up with the different languages, um, that hundred percent care, that hundred percent attention, showing the students that you're working with that that they are they they really mean something to you, and and you really are invested in their success. Uh, those little um, bits of detail. I think are really important and and then going into the vehicle being being art um if if i'm thinking of what vehicle to use for a student that comes to me and and maybe maybe good i'm a math teacher so good mathematically but really struggles with the language and i'm thinking well what's what's the sort of commonality that we have um art feels like one of those sort of areas where um uh, there is um the, la the languages across um languages the language of art works across many many languages and 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 so it's really Sort of, um, it's easy to be able to communicate in, or easier rather, to, to be able to communicate um, with the shared language, and and so so those vehicles, um, it, it makes sense to me to to be vehicles that you might use to to help those students to feel safe and to to be able to to sort of work with you in that warm way and get to know you and you get to know them and and um, and sort of build that that rapport and that relationship so that they can. Uh, go on and, and learn the the, the language um, and to succeed and, and to use those sort of consistent routines that you might use then to, to support them with um, understanding what our language is all about and, and how you would progress through um, through the levels um, there as well. So um, so yeah, I, I think there's some so much to take away, um, Jane, for me. So so really really appreciate that. Um, in terms of the the sort of the, the questions I might have, then I'm, I'm imagining that there'll be, and then we'll wait to see if any questions pop up in the chat as well. But um, I, I imagine that there'll be um, teachers listening to this, or they'll teaching assistants listening to this, um, that, that may be supporting um, students with, where English is their um, second language or an additional language, and and they'll be thinking about sort of what specifically they might be able to do to to support them in maybe a particular subject or a particular setting. I didn't know if there's sort of anything you wanted to, to sort of elaborate on or, or to to advise for for those teachers who may be teaching a class and, and have a student with um, English as an additional language um, and there is that barrier and they, they have um, lots of different students that they're working with all at the same time how how we can sort of support those students um, to to have the best chance of success yeah I think that uh, oh Marion hello Marion oh that question we'll come back to it <laughs> hi Marion Hi everyone. Oh, it's lovely to meet you. Um, we've um, just had a, a superb um, presentation from Jane, who's talked us through the book and, and what it all means. And we've just we've just Thank finished you. at this point, and, uh, and I've just uh, asked a question about how we support our students um, 
in in the classroom um for about if, if i'm struggling maybe to to offer that bespoke support that individual support in the classroom setting so it's all at that point um but just thank you so much for joining us today we really really appreciate your time my pleasure thank you so much thank you dean for presenting no that's okay so um if if i just sort of start maybe on on that dave i mean that's that's a really interesting question i mean what i didn't mention perhaps that clearly was that um the the teachers we were working with um often use these activities or their adaptations of the activities in whole class situations where not all of the pupils were developing eal so um I, and i thought so they could be used both in small groups with pupils who you know like say judith using the collage when she was doing assessment with her EAL learners that's that's in a small group situation but it was really interesting that sometimes um, I think in one of our schools they um, they use some time in English to do some collage and then talking and um, it was seen to be sort of beneficial for all learners but it was the the inclusive aspect which everybody could access what the activity was obviously they would respond in different ways but um, so it was it was interesting that um, the way the ideas were taken up um, were very varied and um, teachers sort of were, as we know, incredibly creative and very adaptive and um, used the opportunities of what they knew they were trying to achieve um, and sort of almost like grafted the arts work into what they were doing already because so we didn't see any teachers um, saying, oh, we haven't got time for this or um, we couldn't fit it in. So they were delivering the curriculum which they were doing and then they brought the creative arts layer into it, if you like, except for on the occasion where we had, um, there was uh, one school where they were very concerned about relationships in a particular year group and they did some collage work and tutor time actually and that was for a very specific so that wasn't curriculum related but that was more to do with you know building harmony in the peer group and um you know they i think they really sort of enjoyed doing it and thought that they could do more of that kind of thing and it was in a secondary school so um you know sometimes i think we can stereotype primary and secondary can't we um you know primary oh, it's much easier to do you know things at different times of the day secondary with a bit more kind of in our um, curriculum areas, but um, the the teachers we worked with were didn't seem to sort of feel boxed in by either the style of learning or time of day or uh, the phase of education they were working in. So I, I don't think I've got a precise answer for you there, but um, it it was really nice in this project to see the um, initiative and creativity of the teachers to. Um, see an opportunity and then build the creative arts into what they were doing already. Oh, thank you. And and it's um, just listening to that and then sort of reading little parts of the books made me think about, um, like, as, as I said, a secondary mouse teacher, I'm thinking about some of the examples I might use and making sure that they are in um, in context that um, really support the, the learner to feel um, at ease at home, um, to to um, make sure that the examples are, are relatable, that they um, they, they support um, the engagement in in the problem that they're they're solving too, and and, and that's sort of really made me think about sort of where I go um, that way. Um, 
but yeah, I, I mean, Mario, I'm sorry, I'm really, I'll take over the hosting bit here. I should, I should hand over to you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, love, I'd love to hear sort of uh, Marion's thoughts too on the on the book. Um, just welcome Marion to the, the discussion. Yeah, I so, um, do you want me to focus on a specific question or a general? Uh, you, your uh, question. In general would be lovely to to start with, and then and then we just yeah. sort of tend to we tend to chat. <laughs> I think yeah, for me the project opens as a researcher and as a a teacher as well. Uh, it opens for me completely new areas, new. You could say spaces and landscapes. So if we call it creating welcoming learning environments, so I think that's exactly what it is. Because as a researcher, it, it makes me first feel welcomed in UK higher education, having come to the country, let's say, as an international student, then becoming a refugee, having come from Syria after coming here as a student. So that created for me an open, like, a welcoming space to to do to do more research as an academic belonging to a new space which is UK. Maybe if you, I will think generally of the book and on a personal level, that what it opens to me, and it opens for me new ways of looking um, a bridging theory and practice as both a teacher and researcher. Where um, maybe Jane have mentioned this, we don't call it teacher training because. We believe teachers have massive knowledge and, and backgrounds and resources, you know, and different sources of knowledge and, and practices. And we too, and we bring these, you know, to share and, um, and learn from each other. So this is where, um, and that opens for me ways of bringing both the culture and the language teaching um, on I could say if, if I'm working with teachers and I'm, I work now with pre-service pre teachers who are doing master degree. When I worked with Jane, we, I worked with in, with, we worked together with in-service teachers. So I can see how the differences of practice when we use it with in-service teachers for UK context in terms of that kind of celebrating multilingualism and social cohesion and how I bring these to the attention of service teachers who are not from the UK who will work in a completely let's say cultural and political context so how that can be you know adapted and I think I, I for me you know the book is valuable because I was able to transfer it to new spaces for in-service teachers on the teaching of intercultural communication and interculturality across the curriculum, whether you are teaching language or, or history or geography, or I don't know if, if in the UK you teach nationalism subjects or how to, to help students reflect critically on the stereotypes that might exist in curriculum, different people values, different, if you think of different, like as a Muslim and, and students, you know, if you have Muslim students in your classes, they might you know, come from different sources of knowledge, from sources of knowledge in research and curriculum that are on the West. So how you can bring these together, that is a through the art for me. And so I think that's what uh, the value of the book uh, on personal and now transfer it into as a using art as a reflexive tool on othering and the meaning of culture and values in different spaces uh, for teachers and learners. Thank you. I think this is what, in general, I can I can share. 
it's absolutely fantastic and and i um a couple of things that sort of come out from that for me when i was talking about my worksheets and in context the unconscious bias that i have just to bring that to the forefront of our mm. our thinking i think that's so important um because um it's without these conversations um it's um it's something that that can go unnoticed and and so to to sort of look at and, and to really sort of actively reflect on um on the the different cultures that the students in my classroom will um will have um what sort of experience will come from um, their backgrounds will, will help me to to have a, a truly more inclusive um classroom um, as i teach and remember we talked with uh, benny cara about um diversity in schools and and um what we could uh, do to um, to create that that learning environment and and such an important um, thing to to be considering and to continue talking about um, and uh, and and you talk also about um, sort of multilingual as as being an asset and um, and and of course um, you know uh, but but at the same time um, when I'm thinking about my students uh, the the first the first thought I have is is about this barrier about this block how do I overcome and. And just to reframe in my mind that this is an asset and, and we should be talking and celebrating and um and uh, and and it really is something um where where that mindset um needs to to shift in my mind to, to really support um the, the students that i teach um i think that's um something that i really take away from this session is um is i've always sort of known it's an asset however i go into the conversation with my default thinking um that that this is a barrier to to the learning and, and to, to just turn that around in my mind um when i have that conversation i think will bring some, some much more positive results um for, for my students and for my teaching too so so just thank you for sharing both of those um as well um we i didn't want to talk yeah. you know, karen if you do have no, so like, uh, any questions all night you know thanks. me <laughs> I've been I've been writing a few things down and thank you so much for joining us, um, Mariam. I'm really, really glad that Abby Turner, who is the whiz that makes all of this work, was, was able to help in the background with that one. What I'm going to try here first is I'm going to try removing the slides from the stage. Let's see what happens to our images. Okay. Do we? Ah, oh, we just we just we get your beautiful face there, Mariam. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, it just means that we don't have the slides there as well. As I as I said to to Jane, we are learning something new every single time we use we use Crowdcast. And I just wanted to say a few things that I I've been reflecting on as I've been listening. Um, and that is around the power of hearing the language spoken. And I think it's absolutely valid. And sometimes it's one of those things where you think, well, surely it's obvious that you would have a poster up that represents the languages at your school rather than something that is nice and shiny and you've brought in. But it's obvious when it's pointed out or you talk about it because it, it you don't then realise that side of it. And I think having that welcoming environment is is also a huge part of it for me, the spoken language. And I think that comes from a lot of different levels. So when it comes to learning another language, often it's the spoken aspect that we are more nervous around doing because it it's easy relatively to read it um, and work out what it's saying then. It's more difficult to actually create those sounds yourselves or to hear somebody else to speak the language and hear what it sounds like and hear the different tones and the different um, sounds that, are, that, are, that other languages create naturally and, and the way that um, they that those are expressed and how different words sound 
when when they're when they are also saying those languages using their own natural rhythms that 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 come from from where they come from and, and how they're used to speaking and I think that's an important part of the fabric that weaves us all together and it reminded me of it may seem really really slight but you know, England and Wales are playing tonight. And I was listening to a radio station earlier on today and they were like, well, we're going to play some Welsh phrases today. So bringing to the fore actually more languages that way, not just saying we are multi, you know, we have multiple languages and cultures and, and embracing that, but looking for those opportunities to do it. And I, I was then thinking about how this can be done sort of whole school level is 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 where I started at Jane because I was thinking yes you've got the posters you've got you've got the display aspects but we've also got what does it sound like and when you mentioned about the one school that put it over the tannoy system I was then reminded of when I was younger and we had a presentation evening for awards and I'd done a, a couple of I was in secondary school. I'd done a couple, I'd done a work experience in Germany. I was studying German. And what we actually did at the awards ceremony is when one student was giving a speech, I gave a speech in German as well. And we translated one another. And, and I thought, I was just suddenly thinking, why don't we do that more often? You mentioned about the the, the family that said, you know, we uh, regarding um, British Sign Language. And I was reminded that at an open day for university recently, one of the welcome sessions was somebody else was on the stage as well, signing whilst the person was delivering it. And I thought it seemed such a fantastic thing and it, it, it enhanced it for everybody. I was wondering why these opportunities aren't woven in more. I know they're harder, um, but, but are they? If there's oh. a natural way of us doing it and then we get to hear those voices and we get to recognize those and embrace them and celebrate them in all sorts of different ways and I think that medium that of, of art in bringing that together gives that opportunity to to have that at different levels but I think bringing the spoken voice in so much more is going to be hugely powerful because the more we hear the more we can then we can usually pick up if somebody's got a Scottish accent or something, for example, or people might try and um, put voices on if they're pretending to do um, an accent from elsewhere across the globe and it doesn't work so well. But some of them are harder to do because we're not used to hearing them so often. So we need to get better at it. I come, I grew up in a very rural place um, and I went and I studied, I did a, my um, BSc in primary maths um, at UWE myself. So I went from teach, I went from growing up in a very rural location to my teaching placement in the very center of Bristol, which was a very different environment, but so important. And I just, I mean, maybe I've, I've talked a little bit too much there, but I think that just shows actually how much, uh, how these opportunities to reflect and think about actually some really powerful things that we can do that will bring our whole community together over something that's so very, very important. And then so many more people in those communities will be able to identify with what it is that we're doing and to feel part of that community we're knitting together. Yeah, thank you for that, Rhiannon. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And um, one of the quite telling things in a couple of the schools we worked with there seemed to be quite a big difference between what the school official records said about the different languages used by children and what 
the reality was so I think I don't know if you remember this Marion but there was a couple of schools we went into when we went in we'd been told oh there are this many different mother tongues in this school but then the moment we got in there that was adjusted upwards massively because there'd been another quick uh, chat around the um, tutor groups or the staff room and it had been increased enormously so there is a you know, if we want to get to know our communities and really sort of like feel um, close to them, um, finding out from people's voices and their experiences about which languages they use, um, you know, is is a nice thing to do. And it won't always be the same as what the official school records say. And I think that there's two different things going on there. One is for what needs to be reported, um, you know, for the Department for Education, that's what has to be done. And it's really important that that's accurate, but it's it's um, it's only responses to the questions that are asked, isn't it? And if you've only got one space for language, if different from English, you're only going to put one language in there, aren't you? But in fact, if families are operating and, you know, smoothly translanguaging between several different languages as well as English, then um, we're not going to know that unless we're going to have these you know, open spaces where people want to share things. And I think you're right, Rhiannon, there is something special about hearing, um, you know, different languages. And the school where we had the filmmaking project, what was really nice about that was one of the speakers on um, the film was not actually um, an EAL user, but she was learning, she was, you know, a Bristolian, and she was learning Spanish as a hobby. But she was quite keen to be part in the film so she was in the film as well and it really broke down those barriers between who speaks what language and for what purpose you know so some of us are learning because our grandparents uh, speak that language some of us have a hobby some have relatives in another country so it kind of brought everybody with those different motivations for being language learners it brought that all together and that seemed quite nice and another example of boundary crossing, if you like. So um, that was the nice thing about the whole school or the whole class activities where everyone could participate and that it wasn't doing something special for certain learners in a certain category. You know, so sometimes that was really valuable, but bringing everybody together and seeing our commonalities seemed to be um, really valuable as well. Yeah, I, I think, Jean, yeah, what you mentioned, the examples of the schools, and uh, um, I remember one, and about how much diverse the teachers reali realized after, I remember one of the schools where the teacher thought it's a Bristol-wide area where there are no languages, and I think, as far as my memory can tell, she discovered about 40 languages in the school. Um, that school, uh, Jane, where I, I, we didn't include that film in the, but you remember yeah. when we saw the yes, little kids and yeah. yes. when they filmed it. So, so that school, and as well, I think what we we are doing now and what, uh, sorry, I can't see your name. I can just see that on the top. Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, I Sorry. Yeah, so what it has, Mariam, is it's got me logged in on the official site, which is the Greenshaw Learning Trust. 
I'm actually Rhiannon, so, but Re or, or whatever is fine. Or you can just call me the if that's easy, because that's all you can see on my screen. Yeah, uh, yeah Rihanna, yeah. So what you said about speaking and hearing, I think in what we, um, so just so that we don't focus only on, on the hearing and the speaking, when we create welcoming spaces, and we had this with, with what the teacher have done, maybe Jane talked about it earlier, it's also about what we see, creating this, the spectacle, if I can use the word spectacle here, what we have, you know, around in the classroom, you know, um, and, and, and the school landscape, so what languages you can see on the walls, on, and I think some of the teachers with the symbols, Jane, you remember, they put them on in the corridor of the uh, of the school and the teach and the parents were also commenting on and participating in you know interpreting these concepts so that that's when you know you have one way also to if we think of the four of of the emotional so the you know the the seeing the hearing but also you know how we can engage all the senses you know even how languages touch and feel by engaging you know the whole community and, and connecting, as James said, different spaces and how the teachers try to do that. So that is something as well that I, that comes to my mind when Jane and uh, Rihanna were talking. I think that's um, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for for sort of sharing those thoughts and um, and and it's just made me think of um, sort of coming up to the football reference again uh, that Ree said about the football tonight and. And there was um, there's a conversation this week that I heard I can't quite remember where it was but um, it was a conversation about our nation and and how we perform um, in football and how um, we tend to um, to be seen as underperformers and, um, and and why might this be and um, and the football player that was interviewed I'm sure it's a football player that, that responded with the um, um, the answer that it was the languages and um, and, and they thought it was um, because um, in other countries there is um, this um, of expectation, this inbuilt design of um, of a curriculum. There's this um, this culture where um, where there, there will be more than one language spoken, and and it, it sort of makes you think that there's more than one way to do things, and um, and it's um, it also helps you to be empathetic to to somebody else who who hasn't understood um, a, a concept or an idea. You can you can have that empathy because you've gone through that learning experience too, and um, and that that this um, this sort of um, this importance of the language and, and learning a second language and, and being able to communicate in somebody else's native language uh, with that person is um, it sort of builds that um, rapport, builds that relationship, builds that community, helps to understand um, deeper um, where other viewpoints are coming from and, and that inclusivity, um, it, it breathes that sort of success, but it sort of breathes that um, that happiness as well and, and, and breathes that um, sense of belonging. So, uh, so it just sort of made me think of, of those things too um but yeah it's an absolutely sort of fantastic session for, for getting me to think more and more about what i can do for my students in in the classroom um and and beyond as well um sort of in, in my everyday life um in, in what i can do to do um to un, un, understand my unconscious bias to um to um understand um, better the people around me to to have that empathy to to build that sense of community um so just thank you so much for taking the time to, to offer those exceptional sort of answers for, for helping my reflection. Oh, that's our pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting us. Uh, 
you know, yeah, thank you. Yeah. for us to talk about our work. <laughs> Oh, it's been uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant discussion. Um, I, mean, I know you'll be wanting to sort of do takeaways soon, so I've got mine ready for whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever you're ready. But um, but it's um, yes, it's uh, it's really really got me thinking the session, and, and just really really appreciate you taking the time. And the the warmth around today's discussions and conversations, um, it's just really helpful because it's helped to create an open space to discuss ideas in a way that's manageable and meaningful but also i think what what's come out of this is hugely contextual and i know it might be one of those things that's obvious to say but you you mentioned a lot jane about how local something is and mariam you've mentioned about how personal it is as well and so i think there are so many ideas and it's it's looking at the, those ideas that have come out and through the work that you've done and the prompts and the suggestions and I think having them as the the, the case studies they were and, and to reach out that way is such a an insightful and, and beautiful way to do it because that's actually how we need to approach this it's looking at some ideas looking at the context and and staying agile and, and flexible with that as well because it's an ever-changing landscape with regarding the the community that we work with and how it's evolving as people are ebbing and flowing and and we're finding out and discovering more about the 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 rich tapestry um that that was that was embodied in that in that in that piece of textile work that was was put together as well and it's that worked beautifully there and it might be something else that works for somewhere else but take the time to find out what that is and actually the the richness that comes out of taking that time to find out is is possibly one of the most powerful aspects of it not just your intended outcome which is having something at the end of it but actually the 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 wider impact and, and the ripple effect of all of these things is just so powerful and and that warmth that feeling that you get from it that's difficult to well you can't quantify it can you but you can articulate it and you can feel it and you can prioritize it as well I think it matters and I think I will come to you Dave and I think what I'll, what I'll also say is uh, just along the lines of I uh, rang a school the other day, I went through to um, the the automated phone line for, would you like to do this number, this number, this number? And, so, you know, my local GP, it's, it's the doctor. But at this school, it was a student that had done it. Oh. And the student said who they were and why they had done it. And I thought, how fantastic that that yeah. student's voice is there, that they are representing that community and, and these things matter and they make such a difference so thank you so much for having giving the opportunity for more people to have these conversation and and making that reach wider than the fantastic the, the people who were able to have that fantastic opportunity to work with you and those communities so thank you so much for that and Dave it was meant to be shorter but I'm just finding this such a such a rich discussion I'm, I'm really really enjoying it so it's over to you for your takeaway oh thank you and um and, and talking about the, the welcoming learning environment I think you've really sort of modeled that today as well because um yeah it was one of those sessions where um, I come in feeling quite the novice and and uh, and feel that sort of 
that, that little nervousness about um, about sort of the, the learning that might take place publicly. And, and so by the end of this session, I just sort of feel really relaxed into into wanting to learn more and, and think about my practice in, in a in a sort of uh, how how I can do things in, in better ways. And and so my takeaway, I, I think it's important to do one step at a time, and that's why we have this one little takeaway each time. Um, and I think it's about getting to know um, the communities um, that I that I work in um, and and to understand it better. Um, and um, once um, once I understand it better, um, that's a, a continual um, thing. It's not just going to be something I do tomorrow. And now mm. I understand it better. Um, but once I, I start to understand that better, to really review um, in in my math lessons the examples that I use, and to ensure that they are um, truly inclusive, or, or to to work towards that that true inclusivity, um, so that every student that's in my classroom can relate to, um, can access, can um can can answer those questions um and and feel and feel that curiosity that you talked about in the session today so that's that's my takeaway and thank you so much for, for giving your time and, and i know jane i said but mariam um you joined us a little bit um further into the session i just want to say thank you so much for giving your time to us it's it's so generous to to spend the time talking with us as we try to understand our own classroom practice it's not something that you that's expected that you need to do and, and you come and join us and, and help us and so thank you so much for doing that for us today um, it's a it's a pleasure thank you for inviting us one final word just like, like what you said about um uh, unconscious bias and this is you know how how this art you know uh, practices can be used as a reflexivity tool on the self as a as a teacher and as an as educator and also relationship with with other people, whether it's the students or the community. And I really like what you said, Rihanna, about the importance of the process, not the product. And this is what we argue even, you know, from like an academic perspective, because the reflexivity, the discovery happened through the process, regardless of what you come up at the end. And this is this is what we focus upon. So thank you so much for inviting us. And um, that's, you know, all I can say today. Well, thanks for all hours. No, thank you. Thank you from me as well. I think you put that really beautifully, Mariam. Um, so thank you for inviting us and thanks for giving us the space to share this work that we've really been very passionate about. And we've learned, as Mariam says, we've learned a lot from doing it. So it's it's always nice to take the ideas out and share them a bit more widely. So thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you ever so much, everybody. It's, it's, it's been a, a privilege. And I think one of the things this, this does is connections is really important, isn't it? And one of the easiest and most powerful ways to connect is to share our story with one mm. another. And what we've been doing today is different ways of sharing different aspects of our stories with one another. So to help our communities to make those connections as well. So thank you all ever so much, everybody. Um, I really appreciate your time. Um, wow, that was, yeah, that, that, that's my word I'm left with now is wow. So I'm going to stop the recording. Now.